Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Giannis Pappas and Olivia Harlan-Decker. Welcome to Unleashed, brought to you by BetMGM. This is Giannis Pappas and, of course, I am here with the very pregnant Olivia Harlan Decker. I'm in Los Angeles. She's in the Midwest. This show comes to you from all over the world. Another huge week in sports, Olivia. We saw Errol Spence Jr. in a brutal fight, really fighting on the inside. Those guys really knocking each other. He added yet another title, beating... Your Dennis Uga. Can you say that name? Your Dennis Uga, the Cuban. Your Dennis Uga. I would have pronounced it UGA, my alma mater. <laughs> <laughs> so this improves uh, Errol Spence Jr. to 28 0, and this is setting up a monster fight with Terrence Crawford that everyone is excited about. The boxing world has not been excited about a fight like this since the last time. Jake Paul laced up the gloves or at least tweeted about boxing. So (laughs) this is going to be amazing. And the anticipation is crazy. But my favorite sport, your husband's pedigree is on full display right now. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. I'm watching every game. Olivia, are you watching? What do you think? I am watching. It's so exciting because... You know, there's no LeBron, there's no Kawhi, there's no some of the stars that we thought we'd see, but we've got plenty of stars left. And I like a guy like Anthony Edwards. This has been his coming out party. The Timberwolves are really peaking at the right time. They have my interest. I am in on the Timberwolves. And I got to say, Giannis, as a comedian, I had to bring this up with you. My dad was on the call in that play-in game versus the Clippers when that lady glued herself to the court. And... You may need to watch your back because I think he made a pretty hilarious joke. Let's roll that in. She wasn't just putting the glue on the floor. She was sniffing the glue. Let's take a look at the upcoming... So, Giannis, what are you so passionate about that you would do something like that? Like, what's a cause? Because for her, it was something about chicken. What was it for you? 
Well, first off, shout out to Kevin Harlan. I mean, the kid has comedic timing. I mean, he perfect, does. perfect joke, perfect time, <laughs> kind of diffuse the situation. Glad he saw the humor in it because that was one of the funniest things I think that's ever happened at a basketball game. Obviously, you don't want fans doing things like that, but she did do it. And in retrospect, I mean, it's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen a human being do. Yeah, I don't know what her cause was, but I mean, you know, it was stupider than the cause was what she decided to do. She tried to glue herself <laughs> to the court. <laughs> I am so passionate about Sam Decker being in the NBA that I will <laughs> run out on the court. I will run out on the court with a I love Sam Decker sign with my shirt off and I will get a tattoo. I will say Team wow. Decker, hashtag Team Decker on my chest and streak like it's the movie old school right across <laughs> the court and have your dad who's calling that game pretend that he doesn't know who I am and I don't work with his daughter. That's the that's <laughs> what I that's the extent I want to go to to get Sam Decker back in the NBA. I'm sick of this. Yes, especially as a, about to be a new father. Yeah, I agree. I would glue myself to the court, too, for that one. Okay, so who are you cheering for? I, I don't know who your team is when the Knicks are out of it. I'm a free agent. I'm a free agent. Oh. I'm an absolute free agent, just an admirer of the game of basketball. Oh. I got to say right now, I am, I'm loving the way the Heat are playing. I am loving. Mm -hmm. It's just old school Pat Riley top of the food chain defense that we're seeing just gnarly defense. They look like they're in sync. I really like the heat. I think the heat are going to go all the way. I think they're coming out of the East and I think they're winning it. They beat golden state in the finals. I'm calling it early shocking the world. Okay. I like it. I like the heat. Tyler hero, you know, is a guy from Milwaukee, a Wisconsin guy. And speaking of which we've got another Wisconsin guy coming on the show in a bit. It's Mike Renner from pro football focus. He's going to get us ready for the NFL draft. That's just a week away. I can't wait. You know, Giannis, eight teams do not have a first round pick. This is a very weird draft. There's speculation that there's not going to be a single skill player taken in the top 10. So we've got to pick Mike's brain about that, but it's going to be a big day. Regardless, that first day for the two New York teams as the Jets have picks number four and 10 and your Giants, Giannis, have picks five and seven. Exciting. Yeah, hopefully um, we get some O-line help. I can't wait to talk to Mike about that. We need some big boys. We need some guys. <laughs> I know the scouts look at everything. Hopefully they're looking at guys who like to eat a lot of McDonald's, a lot of fast food, and they're big bodies. We need a couple, three, 400-pound guys to at least give whoever's quarterback, I assume it's going to be Daniel Jones, a little chance to try to throw that ball. Do you have any big, hairy Greek cousins who live in the area who could help them out? I mean, you got to have someone you know. I have one, uh, my cousin <laughs> Vasilis, but, you know, he likes cigarettes and coffee a little bit too much, you know? <laughs> so I don't know if, I don't know, you know, he's about 6'4", but, oh. you know, yeah, I think his lungs are about 80 years old. <laughs> So he's not available. Okay. I didn't know if they could really skip available. the draft entirely and, and just go get your cousin Vasily. Is that how you say it? <laughs> Vasilis. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's going to work out. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I mean, this draft is crazy. Like last year, last year was a sexy draft. There were so many quarterbacks. We definitely knew Trevor Lawrence was going number one. And we really kind of knew the top three this year. There's not a lot that people agree on. Like no one knows the number one overall pick. The quarterbacks are way not so exciting. And there's so much to talk about, though. So we got to get a draft expert on. But before we get to football, we've got a lot to talk about. In the NBA, there's a lot of news this week, a lot of opinions this week, Giannis. And you know you and I are not short on opinions. It's time to unleash. It's time to unleash. Let's do it. (laughs) I I was waiting for you to go unleash. Look, one of the best games we saw so far was game one between the Celtics and Nets. Oh my gosh, was that good. We knew this was going to be an incredible series. After all, the Nets are not a typical seven seed. They are much better than that. But already, this series has given us an instant classic. Jason Tatum gave the Celtics their first ever buzzer beater in playoff history. I cannot believe that. How is that possible? That spin move at the end, that was gorgeous. Kyrie nearly carried the Nets to a game one win. KD kind of had an off game. Yeah, Kyrie had 39 points, but it was after the game. All anybody wanted to talk about was how he got into it with fans. Kyrie has become a polarizing player this season, you know, on the road, all the stuff with the vaccine, but especially in Boston, where he left them after saying he would plan to stay on in Boston. But this game, it seemed way too personal, really personal. The fans were letting him have it. And, you know, he let him have it too. He had 39 points, like I mentioned, six assists, two middle fingers. Not a bad stat line. <laughs> so have a listen to what he said after the game. So if some somebody's going to call me out of my name, I'm going to look at them straight in the eye and see if they really bout it. Most of the time they're not. Kyrie, to that point, do you feel like the hostility that you get still? Let's not let's not focus on this. Like, ask me questions about the game. Like, from, it's not about the fans. The no, fans aren't a, playing. From a basketball standpoint, yeah. Do you feel like the hostility you get? There's no hostility, bro. It's basketball. When you were flicking some people off, I'd say that's some hostility. From what? What? What point? Are you when guessing you, that that's hostility or like hostility see, for me is like growing been, up? Well, we've never seen that from you this season, where you are running down the floor, flicking people off. It's the first time you actually caught it because it's a big-time game. I respond in different ways. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to focus on that. If you want to ask me questions about the fans, go ask them. Go on the street and ask them questions. But but I'm asking from your perspective, from a basketball perspective, do you feel like the hostility that you get It's not hostility, bro. Do you feel like the energy you get from fans in this building brings out the best from you? Embrace it. Embrace it. It's the dark side. Embrace it. So look, I think he wants to be the villain. I do. And that is such a role. It's the heel, right? I think he likes it. But then he has to explain himself after. And, you know, KD is kind of sensitive. Kyrie is reactionary. It's almost like when someone, and Giannis, I know you know what I'm talking about here. When someone comments or DMs you something really mean on social media, this happens to me, and you respond They always come back really nice. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm a big fan. I didn't think you'd respond. It's like, well, why did you just call me a horrible name or whatever? It's just classic groupthink, whether it's behind your keyboard or you're in the same jersey as a bunch of people in the stands. You get bolstered by this groupthink. So I don't like fans getting nasty. And I think Kyrie has suffered enough this year with the vaccine nonsense. It's okay to boo 
It's okay to cheer against a player or a team, of course, but people are nasty and they take it way too far. And it followed him into the locker room. Like fans who somehow have access down there were still heckling him on the way into the locker room. So look, I've heard it. Even as a sideline reporter, I'm not a player on either team. I've heard horrible heckling from drunk middle-aged men in the stands. To me, People are just weird at games. They're drunk. They're charged. It's this macho energy in the air. And let's face it, Boston fans are not known for being tasteful or fair. Sorry, Boston listenership, but you know that's your reputation. So this is going to be very interesting to watch it continue to play out this week. I'm on Team Kyrie here just because the fans can be so nasty. It's not fair that these highly successful driven specimen of human beings, 1% type people, and I'm talking about the athletes, that they have to sit there on their hands, stay quiet and classy when some low lifes are yelling at them drunk at a game wearing a jersey with another man's last name on the back. Do you hear what I'm saying, Giannis? Do you agree? I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Great Unleashed. Look, I'm going to piggyback off of what you're saying because it really struck a chord with me as a comedian You know, Mm. I post things online all the time. People comment. They say horrible things. I do comedy. We get heckled all the time. It happened to me the other night in Phoenix. Mm. And it's just awful. And sometimes you cave into it and you, you realize that you should have ignored it. Sometimes you respond and you smash the person, especially when you're performing live, which is what is relevant here. Yeah. And it works. But when you're a basketball player, look, I can't argue with what Kyrie did because his stat line was impeccable. So I'm not going to say it affected his play at all. Also, Boston fans, to agree with you, are the absolute worst. They take it too far. (laughs) I don't know what they were saying. And look, I get I agree. I think it's fine that Kyrie responds. If it doesn't affect his game, it doesn't affect the team. I don't know what happened in the locker room there, but. All I know is Boston fans, they are the worst. But, you know, you do have kids watching. You do have kids in the stands. Yeah. You have kids who didn't hear or say what Kyrie was reacting to. So throwing up the middle fingers, he has to remember, you know, this is not a comedy club. It's not the late show. Mm -hmm. You know, he's making obscene gestures. He's obviously going to get fined for that. I would recommend, and I'm sure the coaching staff is telling him, you got to ignore it. All right. The only birds I want to see in Boston are Larry. And that's about it. (laughs) I mean, you shouldn't be flipping the bird during a playoff game when millions of people are watching. So, you know, and it's always something with Kyrie. That's the thing. It's just like, yeah, like I said, I get it. But because I'm a comedian, I, I can empathize. But with Kyrie, it's just always something outside of basketball. And I don't know if that's a distraction for the team. I don't know how KD feels about that because KD's a guy who likes to just put his head down and grind yeah. and win. And Kyrie wants to talk about vaccines, about whether the earth is flat and about Boston fans all the time. And God knows whatever else he's talking about. So they're in a dogfight right now. The Boston Celtics mm-hmm. are for real. And so, look, somebody slipped Kyrie Irving some ivermectin to chill him out and get him back <laughs> focused and... Really, the war is not with the Boston fans. You're a professional athlete. I mean, that happens all the time at adversaries' stadiums. Yeah. Look, I think if he if they win, 
He's vindicated. Oh, it's Kyrie. That's just how he is. Like I said, his stat line's impeccable. If they lose, you're going to see a lot of people going like, you know, Kyrie's a distraction. And that some of those people might be his teammates. Mm. You know, it's it's all the press is talking about. It's all he was doing during the game. So I think this depends on the outcome of the series. But it's not a good look to flip the bird to do no. that in the middle of the game when cameras are on you. So Kyrie, just chill out and play some hoops. Just know you're in Boston, dude. You know, sometimes you got to know when to ignore them. And this is one of those times. The best way you can deal with Boston fans and Boston crowds is to ignore them and punish them with your play. So I'm I'm pulling for the Brooklyn Nets because they're playing Boston. And I hate Boston. In retrospect, it really sucks they got this draw. It really sucks that, you know, getting the play in and the seven seed, like they probably are just like, damn, and now we have to go to Boston. And they knew this was going to be a thing. Like this is, yeah, this is rough. They they should have tried to, I don't know, change that at the end, but they had to play themselves in. They had to get here. So it, it'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah. We record on Tuesday. Boston's up one game, nothing. They play again Wednesday, but this is going to be a fiery first round series. I love this. But Giannis, before we get to our guest, let's get to our Bad Beat winner of the week. Bad Beat of the Week. It goes to at, oh, this is a good one. We always love the Twitter names. At Crypto Dad J. I hope Crypto Dad has invested his money elsewhere too. I hope he hasn't put all his kids' <laughs> tuition in there. Uh, the one, uh, you know, I, I truly feel his pain. Crypto Dad J nailed nine out of 10 legs of his parlay. So it looks like Crypto Dad also likes to gamble pretty aggressively. But unfortunately, <laughs> that won't win you anything except for our bad beat of the week. My man, it would have been a monster payout, but instead you get $100 in BetMGM site credit. So thank you for participating and submitting your bad beat. Remember, you got to submit it on Twitter at BetMGM. Let them know. Let them know how hard your weekend was because that that's pretty rough. But you get 100 bucks, so good luck. Now let's get to our guest. When it comes to NFL draft analysts, he always grades out at an A+. Plus, our first overall pick to help you get ready for next week. From Pro Football Focus, it's Mike Runner. Okay, Mike, it's fair to say that there was a lot more interest in last year's draft. We pretty much knew the top three picks. Obviously, the Trey Lance thing was kind of a curveball, but we had so much information on this quarterback-heavy class. But look, you could argue that this draft is actually more exciting because we really don't know the first pick, let alone what comes after that. I know you think it's Aiden Hutchinson to Jacksonville. Can you explain that prediction? Yeah, I agree with that. But I honestly think this draft's more intriguing. I get that there's less interest, eight teams without a first-round pick. That's obviously going to drive that down. But I I might not get a single pick right in my mock draft. That's how crazy this draft could go because... I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. I think he should be the number one overall pick. He very well may not be, though. They, they can fall in love with Trayvon Walker, the Georgia edge rusher, and sort of the physical tools that he has because, I mean, for a 270-pounder, he's more athletic or tested out more athletic, at least, than someone like Miles Garrett, who obviously you know is an elite edge rusher in the NFL. But, but I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson because, one, that Jacksonville staff, mainly Trent Baalke at GM, who... Everyone, you know, every Jags fan was calling for his head all offseason, wanted him gone. The clown mask, the clown emojis all over Twitter that you saw. 
calling for him to be gone. He needs to hit on this pick. You know, he doesn't have to wait for a Trayvon Walker to develop. He doesn't have that time. You need the best player. You need a guy who's going to impact in 2022. To me, that's Aiden Hutchinson. He was the best defensive player in college football last year. Invited to the Heisman ceremony. And like his athleticism itself is getting slept on, in my opinion. He's a high-end agility athlete for the position. His three-cone, his short shuttle at the combine were elite times for a guy his size. In fact, like the, he had the second-best weight-adjusted three-cone since the combine started, since we've been tracking combine data since 2000. Number one on that list is J.J. Watt. So that's good company to be in athletically if you're talking about a guy with no one overall pick. So that's my take on it. But like I said, I still have no idea if they're actually going to go through with that. The first QB you have going is Malik Willis from Liberty, going sixth overall to Carolina. What separated him from the pack, in your opinion? What are you hearing to justify that? It's the tools. It's arm strength. I mean, whether it's on tape, you see it from the pocket, outside the pocket, wherever you want it. He also had the fastest miles per hour at the Senior Bowl, fast miles per hour at the Combine. The dude has can. So he has that, and he also can run. He's mobile. Uh, he broke more tackles than Kenneth Walker did last year at Liberty. And yeah, it's a lower level of competition, but he is elusive. He's going to be in that tier one of runners at the quarterback position, like like a Josh Allen, like a Kyler Murray, and what he can add on to your running game and what he can do as a scrambler. So those are good starting points for a quarterback. You've also seen him make improvements over the course of his career. He takes to coaching well, is a good kid by every measure. You saw the picture of him at the combine giving a homeless man his sneakers. Like He, he is, by mm-hmm. all accounts, a guy you want to bet on going forward. And that's what the NFL drafts highlight. And that's what the NFL covets is the guy that can take you to the highest end. Like if you're in the AFC right now with an average quarterback trying to go up against Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you don't have a chance. Joe Burrow, like you need the high end players. So he brings those to the table where other guys in this quarterback class may not. Now, to be fair, you don't think there's any reason to take him or any quarterback higher than six because quarterbacks typically get overdrafted. Yes, they get overdrafted. They're going to be overdrafted this year's draft. This is the lowest we're going to have the top quarterback on the PFF draft board since we started Mm -hmm. doing draft boards in 2016. Wow. We haven't had a quarterback lower than 10th. That was Mitch Trubisky back 20, was that 17 draft? And we're going to have Malik Willis, I think it's 27th. And that's the first quarterback on the PFF draft board. So we are decidedly low on this quarterback class. Last year, like we talked about last year off the top, I think five quarterbacks would have gone before Malik Willis last year. Like Mac Jones would have still gone before Malik Willis if he was in last year's class. You mentioned Mitch Trubisky. He obviously signed with the Steelers. They have some big shoes to fill with Big Ben retiring. But do you think they're interested in still taking a quarterback in the first round? Maybe let Kenny Pickett stay put at that facility? Oh, they're interested. I I mean, we were down at Mm -hmm. the Senior Bowl watching Mike Tomlin hawking these quarterbacks, following their every move. He's reportedly taken every single one of the top guys out to dinner prior to their pro days. He has been watching these guys doing all the due diligence possible. Now, do they still take one? TBD. I I mean, like he could do all that due diligence and come to the fact that they all stink. That's a very real possibility in this quarterback class. But I do think that any of these guys, I'd rather have than Mr. Biscuit at this point. Oof. Compared to what they have on the roster, that still might be an upgrade, even if it's a quarterback three in this draft class. Yeah. Nice. I just wanted to clarify. You said Malik Willis, he's a good guy, no red flags. So he's like a good guy like Johnny Manziel or Deshaun Watson, just teams are ready for him. (laughs) He's, yeah, he doesn't, well, I guess, I guess Deshaun didn't actually have any red flags coming out. So you never know (laughs) with these guys, but I will say, (laughs) uh, yeah. 
but uh, he, by all accounts, is not going to get dinged for that at this point in time. <laughs> so your top five picks are all defensive ends and offensive tackles. That won't get an average NFL fan too excited. However, that can change a team in a season. Uh, can you give us a sales pitch that should get these fans excited about the players you're having going top five? <laughs> the sales pitch I give for positions like that, and especially offensive tackle, is to look how much those guys get paid on their second contracts. They get paid mm-hmm. $20 plus million dollars for average to above average guys in the offensive tackle position because there's only about 25 guys in the in the world right now who are six foot five with 34 inch arms that can move and mirror Von Miller's of the world. So there's not enough to go around. Everyone needs one. And so if you draft a guy like an offensive tackle, if you draft one of those guys top five and he's good, you're saving yourself $20 million that you don't have to pay that guy in free agency. And again, you're getting something that every single team in the NFL needs. And that's why I have them going high is because you can count on one hand, the amount of fan bases that are happy with both of their offensive tackles, their left and right tackle. Yeah. <laughs> and that's with the NFL today, with the passing game as it is, everyone needs that position. So that's that's my sales pitch for teams or fan bases that might want a sexier position like wide receiver, but invest in the offensive line, it'll pay off dividends. All right, Mike, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I'm a Giants fan. They have the fifth pick. And uh, so talk to me. Are we going to have a winning season? <laughs> You know it firsthand then. You've seen they, you know, they signed Kenny Galladay. You draft Kadarius Tony. You think, oh, look at this high-powered offense, and then your quarterback's flat on his back, and it goes nowhere. That is why you invest in the O-line first, and then you get those other pieces around, and then all of a sudden it'll start to look good. Now, will they have a winning season? I'm not going to go that far just yet. I, I love the coaching staff, the front Oof. office they've put together there. I do think they're still a few years away. They have to pay for the sins of the past. What Dave Gettleman left there was an abomination, truthfully. The roster mismanagement, the cap mismanagement, how much they're paying mediocre players right now is obviously why he's not there anymore. So I think they're still a couple of years away, but I believe in this staff to get the job done. Ouch, <laughs> That is not the answer I wanted. I'm not going to come out here and gas your tires, Giannis. I can't <laughs> lie to you. I can't lie to you. <laughs> it makes for a long season on this show when every week we're, we're having to talk about the giant struggles. Now, onto a real franchise. I'm a Packer fan, and everyone wow. knows that we need receivers. Although, knowing Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he gives trust very quickly to young guys, let alone rookies, and we have the 22nd mm-hmm. pick. I know you put Chris Olave there from Ohio State as one of the most pro-ready receivers, But what about filling that need in free agency? What's your overall take on what the Packers are going to do at that position? Oh, man, I I really wish I could tell you what the Packers are going to do at that position. But I've been wrong so often with them. I'm a Packers fan as well. I'm originally (laughs) from Milwaukee. So I have been begging for a wide receiver. I knew I liked you. I knew I heard a little accent, too. (laughs) We got the Milwaukee. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, (laughs) T. Higgins at the back end of the first round. No brainer. They go Jordan Love last year. I'm like, this is a loaded wide receiver class. They go cornerback. I I think this is the year they finally pull the trigger. I mean, they quite literally have to with Devontae Adams no longer there anymore. They need to just fill out that receiving core. But I think after signing Sammy Watkins, who say what you will about him, he's still a competent number two, number three type of wide receiver. After signing Sammy Watkins, I think they're good there to just, they're going to take one wide receiver in this class. Will it be in the first round, second round? I don't know, but what they have coveted when they do draft wide receivers, which isn't often. The last time they used a top, I believe, top 75 pick, it was Devontae Adams back in 2014. 
they draft size, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, throughout their history, those are 200 plus pound type of wide receivers or just thickly built. Even Randall Cobb for a shorter wide receiver is still well built. So that's their type. Guys like, you know, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, George Pickens from Georgia, Traylon Burks from Arkansas, Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Those are guys who fill that mold in terms of the size they usually cover. So those are the names I would keep an eye out when they do draft wide receiver. I say when, hoping that they do, but TBD on if yeah. they actually follow through on that. Because, my gosh, on paper right now, that's a bottom three wide receiver core in the NFL. Which is just horrible after all the drama of getting Aaron Rodgers back. And again, he's very trigger shy. He's not going to throw it to anyone. In fact, he's going to make you earn it. It just makes me very nervous for the remaining years of Aaron because it feels like we kind of missed our window. We could go on a whole Packer tangent right now, but that's what it looks like to me. That's why I think if I had to pick any two wide receivers, it would be George Pickens or Sky Moore because they have the best hands in the draft class. If he's going to trust a guy who's going to be where he needs to be and has good hands, if he's going to trust anyone out the gate, that's who it would be. But you're 100% correct. Like His MO is two or three years before he's even looking your way yeah. in that offense. So that's why I think it might be ugly out the gate here. Yikes. Giannis weren't for a long season. Yeah. Well, I'm a Giants fan, so I'm used to it. Still in the North, though. Still in the NFC North. Yeah, there you go. That's our best our best asset. Do you think there's a chance we don't see a skilled player drafted in the top 10? I know Peter King floated that idea this week. you think that's possible? I think it is because of where the strengths of this class lie, whether it's offensive tackle edge, which we just talked about, and then cornerback as well is very strong and very thin compared to wide receiver, where wide receiver is deeper, and we see it every year. You know, this team's drafting at the top of the draft can also find a good guy in the top of the second round, whether it's, you know, I think it was Elijah Moore last year. It was T Higgins, Michael Pittman, two years ago, Debo Samuel, even the year before that talent still falls at that position. That can be game changing talent into the second round. Whereas offensive tackle edge, it doesn't. So I think the teams I would look out, if anyone is going to pull the trigger on a wide receiver, Atlanta at number eight or the jets at number 10, those are the two teams. I don't think anyone else is real, even realistically in play to draft. Mm. That being said, are there any receivers like the ones you've mentioned who could have an immediate impact like we've seen the last couple of years with a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase, or are those just such rare cases? I think those are rare cases. The wide receiver one in this class yeah. to me is Jamison Williams, the Alabama wide receiver. Yeah. Him having the ACL obviously kind of puts that one to bed in terms of him making an immediate impact. Wide receiver two is Drake Lunder from USC. And while I love him translating mm-hmm. to the NFL, love his ball skills, the size, He's not very fast. You know, Jefferson ran a 4-4-1, I believe. Jamar Chase was in the 4-3s. Like, those guys were explosive athletes. I think those are more rare cases. I would put this entire wide receiver class behind the top three last year that came off the board, and Chase Waddle and Devontae Smith. I think all these guys are a step behind them, but there are a lot of guys in that tier that are a step behind. So I think you get some productive guys, but I don't see anyone going 1,200 yards, you know, from day one type of number one wide receiver. So Mike Jamison Williams obviously tore his ACL in the national championship game. There are questions about his health, although guys come back from ACL tears all the time, but he may not be ready by the start of the season. Is that going to hold some teams back? Would that lower his draft status? I think it will some teams, you know, some teams will obviously err on the side of caution when it comes to injuries and look elsewhere, but not too much. I think a lot of people are going to look at kind of the most recent scenario of this where Jeffrey Simmons tore his ACL, the Titans defensive tackle in the pre-draft process, slips to 19. And if you redrafted that draft class, he'd be a top five pick. You know, he's the top defensive tackle easily from that draft class. So 
I think a lot of teams are regretting that and seeing that the draft is not just a year one decision. It's a long-term decision. At this point, four months out with the medical rechecks here this month, you know where you don't, where his recovery is going to go after an ACL. You know whether he's going to have complications, have issues, and which none have been flagged yet, which is why I think you've seen him move up boards in mock drafts or not. So his timeline puts him towards the middle, like realistically early to middle of next season to actually be on a football field. But even then, I would draft that guy as the wide receiver one in this class. I would take him as you know a top 10 player from the Falcons or the Jets. I'd be willing to pull the trigger on a guy like that because speed like he has, game-breaking speed, it never lasts long in the NFL draft. And compare him to guys like Henry Ruggs mm. or Darius Hayward Bay, who have been top 10 picks in years past. He's got much, much better tape. Don't mean to bring it back to the Giants, but I mean, you know, I'd be remiss if we had you on here and I didn't ask this question. How committed do you think the Giants are to Daniel Jones? What do you think they're going to do specifically with their two first round picks? Are we going to see a replacement coming in? Very uncommitted, I'll say. I think they are options <laughs> wide open. They're going to obviously give him a trial run. You know, you know, they're, they came in knowing that they were kind of handcuffed to him, you know, in a, to a degree. But I don't think you're going quarterback in this year's quarterback class. I think what they're doing is, like I said, they left a rough situation there for the staff. I think they're kind of going to clear house, reset this roster, and then try to attract a top talent. We've seen quarterbacks on the move more so in the past three years than ever before quite literally the last two super bowl champions were quarterbacks that weren't on the roster the year prior with tom brady and matt stafford so you can go out and find one if you put together a good situation for them if you put together a good roster around them so they're going to give daniel jones this trial run if it doesn't work out with an improved offensive line which they should have obviously drafting an offensive line in top 10 if he is not that guy if he doesn't look good he's to the curb and they're looking elsewhere maybe via trade or wherever they can in the next year's draft. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I got one last question. When these teams are drafting, how much do they look at the grades of the guys? Does that matter at all? Like if a guy's a straight A student, does that matter? Or do they take that into account what he majored in? Like if he majors in, you know, physical therapy or sociology, <laughs> whatever, is there a difference? There, okay. Certain teams will care about things like that. And a big thing that's an underrated like red flag for some certain teams is if they're like too good as students, if, is if they have too many interests outside of football, oh, come that on. starts to take guys and drop guys on board. This is not a joke. This is actually dead serious that if a guy is too interested in other things, like if he has strong hobbies outside of football, that will be seen as a negative and a red flag in certain people's eyes. So you got to hit that sweet spot of not loving other stuff too much, but not caring too little you have to be right in the middle of how much you care about you know other things in life but you got to love football at the end of the day <laughs> he's right it's the nfl he's it's the nfl they don't <laughs> care <laughs> i'm having a son in about three weeks and i'm just going to make sure he has no other interests it's all sports baby no time for games <laughs> he's going to be a top nonsense. five pick. <laughs> He's going to be a top five pick. No, in, in all seriousness, my uh, my husband was drafted in the NBA, but he, we just were having this conversation, and he said that some NBA teams called local bar owners in Madison, Wisconsin, to ask what kind of guy Sam was, and that they ended up telling him, yeah, I told him you never had an issue, you know, never were in a fight, never stiffed your tab, nothing like that. But boy, do they do their research. And like the movie Draft Day, like we see it ended up coming down to players not being invited to a birthday party. A lot of area scouts are 
more private investigator than they are like evaluator yeah. of talent for these teams. Like they have to dig into backgrounds to find stuff more than just like, tell me how good this guy is on tape. No, the report is all like background information, talking to people around them, seeing just who the guy is. So it's a big investment. You know, they're paying these guys a lot of money. You got to be smart about it to a degree. Do they check the social yeah. media profiles too to see what they're posting and stuff like that? Sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, some there's some guys that have slipped through though with some rough stuff. I remember Geronimo Allison. <laughs> you probably remember this, the Packers UDFA. Yeah. <laughs> he had tweeted some, I don't know if I should say it, but he tweeted some sexually explicit stuff, shall we say, prior to getting drafted. That was, that was bad. Still pops up or still did pop up when he was still in the NFL. <laughs> Like, how'd they miss that? How did they miss that? It's the agents that usually tell them to scrub that stuff. But like a lot of the agents, especially for like smaller time guys, are trying to just like cast a wide net and they're agents for a lot of different players. And so they don't get a lot of attention from that agent and they don't know what the hell they're doing. No pre-draft. They're just trying to catch on somewhere. So that slips through the cracks. Geronimo Allison. Yeah, I forgot about that until you brought that up. Okay, I have one more quarterback question. Will we see Baker Mayfield moved on draft day? What's the latest with him? What are you hearing from teams who might be interested? So I'm hearing no one's interested is the thing. It's why they're really struggling here because of how his contract is set up. So it's a fifth year option, which is now guaranteed when you exercise it, but it's not guaranteed or it doesn't hit your cap if that guy's traded. So it's $18 million. If they cut him outright, they have to pay him $18 million this year. If they trade him, they don't have to take any of that cap hit. The new team that traded for him pays that $18 million. So there's only maybe a couple teams in the NFL right now that would even consider it. The thing is, one of them is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's in the division, who they obviously would have no interest in really trading him to as a division rival. But they can kind of basically say, hold him hostage or hold the Browns hostage and say, you know, you're going to have to give us picks to give to us to take Baker Mayfield because it's going to, you have an active interest in wanting him off your team because of that cap hit. So I think that could be what we end up seeing is they actually trade away picks and Baker Mayfield to have another team take Baker Mayfield, whether it's the Seahawks or someone else who's a quarterback needy team, maybe the Carolina Panthers, if they don't draft quarterback in the top 10. So I, I think that's where it's at. Even if Baker Mayfield like objectively still should be one of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, like when he is good and healthy, Mm -hmm. he is better than that. It's just everyone kind of found their quarterback and the Browns missed the boat. That's brutal. He's got a good agent though. I mean, he's got a good agent because he did a lot of commercials, his commercial ratio too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's got a great marketing agent. Cause I was saying like, why is he in so many commercials? He's not that great. He's a little bit of a squeak. He can't even see over the offensive line. They should have did a commercial about that, about stretching him out a little bit. He's a little person. <laughs> I was going to say, all those ones where it's, he's living at the Brown Stadium, probably a little awkward right now yeah. if he's still living there. Uh, he's Very. probably. <laughs> <laughs> Very awkward. Okay, Mike, one last thing. Can you leave us with a hot take on something you're predicting happens on draft night? Something that might be a little out there unexpected. Hot take. Maybe someone trading up. I'm bad at doing hot takes. I will just say that. I think the hottest (laughs) take I have is that the Detroit Lions end up selecting a quarterback in this class. I think Detroit, with kind of where they are as a roster, and you know, with Jared Goff is kind of this lame duck year where they can't really cut him because the cap hit. 
but like still want him on the roster. I think they draft quarterback at number two overall and let him develop. And I think it's going to be Malik Willis. So that's my hot take is Malik Willis goes number two overall. Whoa. That's a great hot Whoa. take, actually. You said you don't do hot takes, yeah. but that one was sizzling, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at them because they don't come true is more what I was saying. My hot takes are all pretty trash. Right. <laughs> well, you know, you got you got a nice chain out there. I like your chain. I did. I wanted to wait to the end of the interview to say that's that's a nice ice you got right there. Appreciate it. Thank I you. I got mine too. I pulled mine out because you had yours out. Yeah, <laughs> chain gang. <laughs> Not bad, Giannis, for a white guy from Wisconsin, huh? Not bad at all. Not Scott's bad boys at got all. swag. No, yeah. they, they really Scott's boys do not have swag. Sadly. Yeah, no. you guys both look like you're from the Midwest. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a I'm on a German chat right now with you guys. <laughs> oh, Mike, you're a trooper. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. You can follow Mike Renner at PFF underscore Mike. Thanks so much for all the great insight. And we're really looking forward to seeing how much of this you got right next week. Although you've predicted none of it. So this will be great. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. I am looking forward to it too. TBD, undefined. This is all probably going to turn out to be wrong, but it was fun. NFL draft from Mike Renner. That was a lot of fun. We got to hear his takes, although he is not very confident, Giannis, in what's going to happen because this draft is so wacky. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. However, it's going to be a really fun one to bet. And yes, if you are new to the sports gambling world, you can bet on the NFL draft. And those lines are up on betmgm.com on the betmgm app. So check them out now. Now we bring in Peter Andrew to help us give us a little advice on what to do, on what to know. So Peter, Mike just told us he thinks Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan is going first overall. You know, a lot of people do think that and Vegas certainly thinks that he is leading right now at minus 175 as of April 19th. So as we get closer, that may change. But do you expect that to change a lot? Or is he kind of the clear favorite? Clear favorite to me. You saw some things happen the last couple of weeks. Kayvon Thibodeau, I think draft stock plummeted a bit. I think Aiden Hutchinson has stayed the clear-cut favorite. Most complete player. I think he's the immediate guy that can come in and just help a team. Put him and Josh Allen on the two sides of, of the defensive line. I mean, immediate impact for a team that just spent a lot of money in the Jaguars this year, who I'd expect are mm-hmm. looking to at least make a push towards the playoffs, given they spent two, $300 million. Um, so he's at minus 175 right now. I would actually take it now. I can see that jump into two, 250 and so on as we get a little bit clearer towards, towards next Thursday. So uh, yeah, I'm with him. I'm with PFF, Mike. I think that's the logical first overall. I like how you call him by his Twitter name. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, that's, I feel like I call everybody by that. <laughs> Quarterbacks this year, like Olivia mentioned, not not as strong as years prior, definitely not like last year. Mike mentioned to us Malik Willis from Liberty. What is the line looking on him? And do you agree that he's going to be the first quarterback taken in the draft? Well, it is definitely not the sexy draft. I have top three picks being all DNs. 
Mm-hmm. First quarterback, I actually have Kenny Pickett. <laughs> to me, it's hard to pick a guy from Liberty as the first quarterback off the table. I know he had a really good year. Liberty has been a change program of late, last, especially the last couple of years. I love Kenny Pickett. Two-way, dual-threat game. I have him going to Carolina at six. Shades of Cam Newton for seven, five, seven years, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I think clearly a better arm. He is a great two-way threat. You got guys like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson that he can get the ball to. And he's got a rule named after him now with that fake kneel that he ended up running <laughs> in for a touchdown. So he's the complete package to me in a, in a not-so-sexy draft year. He's at plus 130. I think Malik Willis is somewhere around minus 115. So it's pretty close. It's pretty much even money. But Kenny Pickett, to me, has just been the more complete player watching him at Pitt all year. I mean, phenomenal talent. So I'm taking the dog here. The thing about Malik Willis, though, that I think people forget is he transferred from Auburn. Like, he's he wasn't some low-level quarterback coming out of high school or anything. He's an Auburn transfer who saw an opportunity in Hugh Freeze's offense. So that's why I think people in the draft are really hot on Malik Willis because he kind of is that SEC-caliber quarterback who saw a better opportunity at a small school with a great offensive-minded coach. But, no, it's, it's interesting. And going six overall to Carolina, you know, it just – uh, boy, Carolina's kind of a mess, but I don't know if it, it's it's crazy that a quarterback's potentially not going top five, but maybe even dropping lower than that. Yeah, for me, it's it's less about his talent and more about the talent he was playing all year. So play, playing Liberty's conference versus playing SEC right. defensive players is going to be significantly different. Not to say that Kenny Pickett at every team in the ACC was a premier talent like Clemson is, mm-hmm. but you got you got a good sample size of what he can do against pretty good defensive teams. So it honestly can go either way. I can see them both going probably first 14 or 15, but it's going to be really interesting. Who do you want to take a shot on? And I guess ultimately, what are you looking for? Probably pick it a little bit more of the dual threat where he's got really good legs, mm-hmm. not, not beefy like a Cam Newton was as an example, but time will tell a week away. All right. Well, I hope it works out for everybody. I hope especially it works out for my Giants and they get some O-linemen. <laughs> so Pete, next week, as we look ahead, and we'll get way more into this, what will open up at BetMGM for what people can bet on the draft? Yeah, so obviously for right now, we only have things basically for the first round. You'll see the rounds open up subsequently for each day. So you'll have an ability to bet all six rounds. We'll also do, call it exactas, kind of like in horse racing. Yeah. where you can bet one, two, and three consecutive, essentially like in a parlay together. So if you have a really good feeling that, you know, for me, it's Hutchinson, Walker, Thibodeau, one, two, three. So a little bit of pandering to UGA, uh-huh. Olivia. But but you can parlay those together. And instead of taking them all at a different price, if you feel good about it, put them all together for plus 1,000 or plus 1,500. And then over under on specific players. So over under on Kenny Pickett, as an example, five and a half. Or over under on him, eight and a half, if you think he's going to go to the second quarterback. So turning real betting opportunities like spreads and over-unders into the draft where it's not just about results. So a cool way for us to kind of mishmash a little bit of what we do. Giannis, you should do this. Do that one, two, three. You're in New York. You can do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. PD, I'll I'll text (laughs) you after this and you know, you walk me through it, sweetheart. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) If you can see, I gave him a little gunshot thumbs up. In, 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 in retrospect, that was a little bit weird. Yeah. PD Andrew, let's talk a little bit about hoops, the playoffs, the playing system. I love it. I know it's moving the lines all over the place. 
It looks like a lot of these teams were not prepared for the physical play and how much the refs were going to let them play. You see uh, the way Memphis got beat up. It looks like they're a little light in the ass. That probably has got the lines moving like the stock market. What's going on? Well, I think I probably have to address my Toronto pick of last week first. Um, yeah. Seems like I was dead wrong about the uh-huh. Raptors. So um, I'm I'm officially on the Sixers clean sweep 4-0 bandwagon. Boy, they look really good. And yeah. they're playing complete basketball. So let's just yep. get that one out of the way. Okay. Um, well, let me just say, in your defense, that was a stupid pick, no matter what. So, <laughs> dare to be different, I guess. <laughs> There's some great series. I think the Celtics Nets one that you guys talked about is a really good one, and that's probably the series to watch. But there are some bloodbaths now. I mean, the Heat just absolutely smoked the Hawks the other day. Suns look really good. Bucks look really good. I think there's a lot of these first round series that are meaningless. But what I got, and I mentioned this last week, Golden State looks awesome. Golden State took game two yesterday. I think they were down 15 at one point in the second quarter and just completely dismantled the Nuggets. And it shows what what the Nuggets have to deal with. If you don't have top talent that can defend on the perimeter, you're in a lot of trouble. So it wasn't just Clay, It wasn't just Steph. It was Jordan Poole. I mean, you got a lot of perimeter shooting. Draymond as well. What's going to be interesting is you start seeing them play teams like the Suns eventually in the conference finals. Can they keep up with a guy like Aiton? Because interior defense is going to be the liability. So, so far, it's I know it's only been a couple games. Really good. I'm all in on the uh, Warriors bandwagon. So the couple things I've been looking at is Warriors to beat an exact team. So Warriors to beat the Sixers, Heat, and Bucks. Those different prices. I, I like the Warriors to take take care of the Suns in the conference finals. And then wow. it's beating the Sixers 40 to one, beating the Heat 28 to one, beating the Bucks 14 to one. You can sprinkle 10, $20 on each of those and you have a pretty decent sized payout. I know the Suns look really good. Again, I said this last week, they're just too chalk. Vegas knows it. Everyone knows it. And it's hard to bet them because it's just, you're, you're betting a lot to win a little at this point. So something has to happen where they go down a couple of games in a series, in my opinion, before you even think about betting them because plus 200 to win the NBA Finals is essentially nothing on a futures market. Well, let's look game-specific as this airs Thursday. There are two big games Thursday night. You mentioned Golden State is up two games on Denver, but that spread is only one and a half points, favoring the Warriors, obviously. Why is that number so low? Yeah, I think they just assume Denver's going to be rocking. I mean, not much has changed. Denver did look really good in the first half, but it's just can they compete with the levels of that perimeter shooting? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it's probably a little bit of a trap line, but it's one of those things until I see otherwise, I think you have to take the Warriors and they probably win in four, maybe in five. Yeah. And then Dallas, Utah, that series is tied up. They play Thursday as well. And that's a little bit bigger. Utah favored by seven and a half. What do you think about that number? Yeah, I guess it depends. I don't know what Lucas situation is right now. I don't know if he's Mm -hmm. just day to day, but Jalen Brunson and Max Kleber. They looked awesome. Yeah. I mean, they the name of their game yesterday was as little turnovers as possible. And that's what led mm-hmm. them to six, seven point win, whatever it was. So if they don't turn the ball over, they got a shot, but hard to do that two games in a row. So I'm probably either going to tease down the Jazz or take them outright at that seven or six and a half, whatever it ends up being. Is there a rule of thumb in playoffs with point total? Because it seems like it's such a different game in the playoffs. 
Yeah, it's, you know, I have friends that talk about ref matchups. So what refs are actually calling the yeah. games? Are they going, it's like the old Jordan games, like the old nineties games, like who's going to call the game is going to be bully ball. Are they going to let you get away with stuff? Or are they going to call every ticky tack foul? Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually somewhat logical to think about. If you're going to call every ticky tack foul and you're playing the Warriors or playing the Nets as an example, and you're going to have Kyrie and Katie at the line 30 times, then it's probably good to take the over because the clock's stopping every half a minute. But it depends. I mean, there's so many variables. I typically stay away from the over-unders. I like to just take take spreads for that reason. Mm-hmm. But it varies. And uh, you'll have some series where it's obvious when you're playing you know, the old Memphis Grizzlies of a couple of years ago where you have like Zach Randolph and those guys where you know they're going to be low-scoring games and you know what to expect. But a lot of these teams can get hot and hot meaning score 130, 140 points yeah. like it's nothing, which is crazy in, you know, nowadays NBA. Yeah, that's with the three-point line. And that was a great question because really I watched a couple of these games and the refs were really swallowing their whistle on a lot of stuff. And so let me take you to the young, exciting matchup, Memphis and Minnesota. That's going to looks like it's going to go back and forth. What's the line looking like for that? And who do you got? Ugh. It's funny with Memphis that like traditionally they are more efficient team without jaw, but jaw's incredible to watch. I want to lean them because I think they have such a complete team, but that is one of those series that can go six, seven games. That to me is one of those toss ups. One of those teams probably doesn't go that far. So second, third round, you don't see them. There's this is one of those where they just beat each other up. So lean Memphis, but it's a toss up. I mean, you have such a good young Minnesota team. Anthony Edwards is awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you see them more years to come. And it's not just the one off here, but this is the future of the NBA in that game right there. Yeah. All right. For sure. Good stuff, Pete. Thanks so much. There's a lot to bet on this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun, but next week we definitely got to roll up our sleeves and really dig into gambling, the NFL draft. And Giannis, I may be uh, texting you a couple ideas as you are in a legal gambling state. Speaking of which, (laughs) I live in Kansas City. Is Missouri or Kansas going to legalize first? Uh, That's a funny question. So without without getting too political on this, but there seems like they're fighting with one another to see who can who can get it done first? It's always been Kansas on the list. God, I'd love to lobby for either one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. One of them's coming. I think, okay. you know, they're both trying to aim for this year, uh, which will be exciting. But I think they're fighting to see who can get in first. Okay. Yeah, because we have two states, so I really don't care at this point. I don't care. So our big Kansas City listenership, I'm sure we'll appreciate that final question. Pete, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you as always, and we'll talk to you next week. See you later. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks so much to Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus for sharing us uh, a little bit of time and previewing the draft. There's so much to dig into, and we got to bring in the experts every week to do that. Make sure to follow at BetMGM on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. Surprisingly very good TikTok follow. It'll make you laugh, Giannis. I know you like TikTok too. Thanks so much for listening, guys. See you next Thursday.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.